Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are so excited to have you guys for episode 42, Is Life Worth Living? We're going to dive into that question a little bit deeper. Uh, Sonia, what's going on? How are you? It is December 30th, isn't it? It's almost a new year. It's I crazy. know. We're going to go into 2022. How am I? Well, the big question is, how is the world, right? Yeah. In the middle of um, a quite an intense time in life. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, when we started this podcast in April of 2020, um, what we then called coronavirus and what we now call COVID-19 had just begun and the lockdown and everything. And now um, that is still going. However, um, we have a new variant that is called, is it Omicron? Is that how you say that? Mm -hmm. Omicron. And it is raging. And I don't know if you guys can hear in my voice, but I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I have not tested positive for the Omicron variant or for COVID, but I'm definitely under the weather. But we wanted to come to you guys because we missed you and we were excited about this content. So so we're doing it anyway. So I hope you don't mind my scratchy voice and a little bit of sniffles here and there. I'm but glad anyway, we're doing it. Like, yes, we're yes. doing it. But beyond that, Omicron is raging in the U.S. right now. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. We were talking previously about how many people we know or know of. I have to tell you, when this started, Lacey, I would be like, hmm, I heard maybe so-and-so, like one person. And now it's just, it's exponentially growing. It seems like every every day you hear, oh, so-and-so has it, and then so-and-so, and so-and-so. And it just, it's, it's scary, except the good news is it's not, even though it's transmissible, very transmissible, it's not as um, deadly, I guess, as less hospitalizations less deaths because if you're vaccinated and boosted, then you can fight it. That's my understanding. Right. right. Yeah. This one isn't as strong as the Delta variant or the original COVID from what we've heard. Mm -hmm. and so um, that's a silver lining, I guess, but it is incredibly contagious. It's insane. Yes. There is not one friend group or friend circle, I should say, in my life that does not have at least one person who has this right now, who's sick. I mean, I can count 15 people that I know who are sick right now, either just with the same kind of symptoms that I am or with, um, with COVID. So it is all over the place. And I think um, there's some regions in, um, in, the, in Europe that are getting hit pretty hard right now as well. Mm. Um, I know, I know Spain is one of those. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just making its way across the globe. At absolutely. This absolutely. I mean, I was traveling, so I know all the protocol. I had to do the test before the test coming in. I was out of the country. Um, that's coming back into the United States. And it's just a matter of time. As you're saying, in many of these other countries, it's going crazy. And then it hasn't even hit its peak in other countries. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be following it closely. But I think the interesting conversation about this that you and I have had is why do we even have this virus on our planet? Like mm -hmm. what has caused us to be living 
in this time period of life where we are, um, where it's a global global pandemic that who would have even imagined that, that it would be the stuff of science fiction, but now we are all living through this. And uh, any thoughts, Lacey, on yeah. how this um, originated? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this, um, you and I, I think several times throughout the course of this pandemic, but again, recently, and I, I was mentioning to you, I think it was when, whenever I actually went to go get a test this week um, about how it just strikes me again that, and I've read this in, in books that I've, science books, you know, I was actually trying to pull, pull this book up and find that section. But anyway, I was, I was saying, like, I was thinking it strikes me that the part of the reason why this is happening likely is because we have destroyed natural habitats for plants and animals and, and just environments that um, for, for our own get good and gain and like for, you know, selfishness and greed and whatever. And that's part of why, because that's what happens when we jack up an environment and a habitat, you mm -hmm. know, um, the destruction that it does to the animals, then that changes where they are living and what their natural habitat is like. And then that spreads viruses. That's just basically what happens. And so it's, it's just like, man, we're doing this to ourselves in a way and not, not to put shame on anyone. Cause that doesn't, it's not helpful. Um, but just to learn about like, look, dude, this is, Hey, this is something that we've kind of caused in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I feel like the human race, we're more susceptible to these kind of situations. And what's scary, I, I feel, I also believe that we have been damaging our environment for a long time. So this right. has been coming. Right. But the question then is, what do we do? Can we stop it? And then what is down the road? Because one of the, um, it's sort of like the Pandora's box. One of the things they realize now with the pandemic and the variant or the variants, excuse me, is what other variants are out there. Like, what are we going to be battling a year from now? Right. Or two years from now. And then I, I think the part that really ties into our podcast is the level of selfishness of man. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, what about the generations that are to come? And if we don't start thinking of our humanity as a collective group that we need to be in this together yeah. as opposed to individuals, then we're on the path to self-destruction, you know, not to put, make it all drama and gloom. Cause I'm definitely more of an optimistic person, but I think to me, the pandemic is a wake up call. Um, it's we're having, we're, we're being forced actually to work together. Mm. And, um, I had brought this up to Lacey earlier, a statistic, and let me see if I can kind of get it right. Well, a big statistic is that the wealthier countries obviously have access to vaccines as opposed to the poorer countries, the less right. developed countries. But it is to our benefit for the global economy people, we're talking markets, that we get the entire world or a large portion of it, the world vaccinated. Because what's happening is because we're not doing that, we're not you know, we're, there's issues with hoarding and, and, and also mm -hmm. distribution. 
when we don't get that part together, say we don't get all the vaccines in Africa and you only have 6% of say your population um, getting vaccinated, then of course you're going to have variants. It's going to keep going. It's just the law of, of, right. of a pandemic that then it's going to spread again. You know, right. it's like we'll mm. never get a handle on this if we don't come together as a globe, not as an individual country, yeah. not as, you know, hey, just the, you know, just the Western side, not this side, not, not this group of people. It's, well, you see where I'm going with it. Well, th the thing is, is like an individualistic approach doesn't really solve the problem, basically, because if you have people who are still not vaccinated or not protected, then um, the thing's still going to spread and it's still going to be an issue. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a great point. And I think something Frome would say, too, you know. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think that's what really struck me is because the theme of, of what he's talking about is uh, exactly the, you know, the point I'm trying to make. And mm. it would be interesting what he would be writing about this pandemic. Oh, my God. <laughs> it would be amazing to hear that. I would be so intrigued. Yeah, ab absolutely. Were you able to find the quote that you're looking for? Um, I, I found not quite. I found okay. something that's close, but I don't know if it's worthwhile. Um, I'll read just a couple sentences, but this is not exactly what I was looking for. This is from um, a book called Humanity's Footprint by Walter Dodds. Mm -hmm. And it talks about our impact on the globe. And th this little section is called Complex Interactions Between Ecosystem Health and Human Well-Being. And so it says the World Health Organization recently released a millennium assessment of the effects of ecosystem degradation on human health. This report documents complex interactions between human health and the state of the world's ecosystems. Many changes noted in this volume are likely to ultimately encourage the spread of human disease and an increase in malnutrition. The global transmission rate of diseases have vastly increased because of rapid transport of humans, plants, and animals. Ecosystems are stressed, so native animals remaining in them are more susceptible to diseases. All the ingredients, all these ingredients increase the probability for catastrophic diseases to sweep through the globe, causing massive human suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty spot on. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I could have sworn I read something in here where it says particularly the word pandemics is what comes whenever mm -hmm. you do what we've done, which is jack up, you know, uh, not kids, but uh, jack up uh, animals, you know, ecosystems and homes. Yeah. Have that. I, I, I think we're living through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, another thing that we can kind of connect to, we wanted to mention um, really to COVID and, you know, all of this is um, how that's um, affected all of our mental health, which we've talked a lot about on the podcast. And um, we found a, um, a mention in one of the New York Times morning edition emails um, talking about their most read article mm -hmm. of the year. Um, and so we thought this was worthy of a mention Sonia, do you want to um, reveal what that was? The most um, uh, well-read article was, or the most read article, rather, was on mental health. Yep. Uh, yeah. Is that a surprise? No. <laughs> no. It's called, there's a name for the blah you're feeling. 
languishing. Languishing. That, <laughs> yeah, and that's from April 19th. Uh, again, that's the New York Times. But um, this is a, a psychologist um, talked about how difficult it has been. Basically, the absence of well-being for us. And that's something we've all felt in the midst of the pandemic, which has been going on now for almost two years, mm-hmm. which is so weird. Isn't that weird? That's crazy to say. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to quote, but I have the general idea of some things that I've read through these, this article and others on this mental health that I wanted to highlight. And I think it's yeah. very sad. A couple things. One is uh, young people. Young people now, whether they're in college or high school or even grade school, are so severely affected. Yeah. Uh, their lives have been upended. They've had to miss school, maybe be on Zoom calls, uh, not see their friends. I mean, this is really hurting them, I think, developmentally. And you can speak to that, Lacey, with your background as a teacher. Yeah. Um, I think the other uh, group I want to mention is the healthcare care pr- uh, practitioners. I do not know how they're doing this. I mean, there is story after story of people really struggling. There's suicide. There's people quitting. And and can you imagine just being in an environment where, you know, people are dying and you can't do anything about it or your hospital beds are filled up or you have people who maybe refuse to, you know, believe that they have what they have. I mean, it's got to be so incredibly hard. So my heart goes out to them. And then, you know, there's the rest of the world you and I and the rest of us that just people's lives that are upended. Um, There's the people, the service industry. I could go on and on. I mean, it's very sad because you can see how desperately we need mental health professionals now. And they're also, they don't even have the space or the room to accept new clients. (laughs) So many of them. You're right. Yep. I mean, and then as you're saying all this, I'm nodding in agreement and thinking of, a particular post that you shared with me about um, someone who's been working uh, in the, on the health side of things as a medical, you know, someone in the medical field who committed suicide after two years of working nonstop on, you know, with patients and losing patients. It's so sad. Um, But, you know, I can't help but think of the, the other side of that coin, which is hopefully what comes out of this is that we come to a place where we're, a little bit more open to the idea that mental health is important. Our social, emotional well-being is important. And I do think we've had this conversation several times that, you know, we believe that there will be good that comes out of this at the end. This is an opportunity anyway for change to come in ways that we need it desperately to come. Right. I think what prompted us to even do the podcast is talking about, ironically, uh, Lacey and I would always talk about how we as a society need to be living differently. Yes. And this was pre-pandemic. Yep. We said, what the hell's wrong with this society? We are not living the way we should. And um, you really introduced me to Fromm and his ideas. And at at the air that he was, he was talking about things that we're living through right now. It's amazing. And, um, and then boom, the pandemic hits, you know? And to me, it's like the pandemic pulled back the curtain for like a lot of people to question their own lives and the culture and how we live. And so it's been painful, but to your point, 
my hope is that we come out on the other side becoming different and being different in the way we live daily. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people, you know, with the work, um, workism realization, and we've, we've read and discussed some articles and podcasts that we want to do episodes on coming up on those topics, but people are like, I'm not doing, I'm not going to live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much more to life than, than just, you know, being an automaton, which is basically, you know, what Fromm says. So, so I think that there's a lot of people who really are um, changing their mindset, which is not an easy thing to do. True. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's forced, it's kind of forced us to the pain um, and the struggle through these past few years is, is having us look at things differently. Right. Well, before we get into our content and asking and examining the question, is life worth living? I wanted to mention um, we lost someone um, who we've talked about her writing um, on a previous oh, episode. Yes. And I wanted to mention it because she was an excellent um, uh, advocate and I guess feminist, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was Bell Hooks who wrote um, All About Love, yeah, which yeah. we talked about in our February episode, one of our February episodes from, oh my gosh, that was this year. That's crazy. So yeah, she passed away, I want to say like a week ago. Um, and so we want to just honor that because she was awesome. Yeah, she was. And I'm so glad that I was introduced to her work and it's, uh, it really fits in well. I think she, I had brought her up too, because she quoted from in the all about mm, love. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, she really uh, is just, yeah, if you haven't read her, I recommend uh, our audience go take a look at her. Work. Check her check her out and check out our episode from February mm -hmm. where we talk about um, all about love. Her book is really, really good. Cool. Um, excuse me. Well, let's let's get into this. We're still in um, Eric Fromm's The Sane Society. And we're still examining what man is like in capitalistic society. And Sonia, I don't know if you have a place where you want to start. I know I have a couple of things that I wanted to make sure that we discussed. Um, um, on this sure. episode. Go, go for it if you want to start. Yeah, I'll start. Um, this chapter, it's actually a long chapter, but the part, the section we're going to focus on tonight is consumption. And I can one that I can really relate to since I'm a consumer, we all are. I, I love the way um, that Frome discusses consumption because traditionally I think of consumption as well, consuming the normal day-to-day -day goods that we all, of course, consume. But Frome discusses how we really aren't, that we consume without any concrete relatedness to the objects with which we deal. We live in a world of things, and our only connection with them is that we know how to manipulate or consume them. And I, what I love about how he describes consumption is he, he, he says there's a legitimate need for consumption, but he says our craving for consumption has lost all connection with the real needs of man. Mm. Originally, the idea of consuming more and better things was meant to give man a happier, more satisfied life. Consumption was a means to an end, that of happiness. It now has become an aim in itself. 
Yeah. And that spoke to me because I think there's a lot of truth to that, mm -hmm. that we consume meaninglessly. And it's, as he said, it's, it's actually, it's not a means to an end. It's just an aim. And, we, and he goes into detail, different aspects of how we consume. Which right. I continue yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, because if you think about it, like think about the term um, retail therapy. Mm -hmm. If you don't think that that's true, it is true. I mean, our day to day is like, Oh, I want to, I want to go get this thing today. And he talks about how it's not really about, really enjoying the thing a lot of times i mean we've mentioned i've mentioned this on the podcast before we'll go buy stuff and we totally forgot what we bought and we maybe use it once or twice and then we throw it in a closet somewhere or it's more about the acquisition mm -hmm. than it is um and so then it is really about like getting a really good use out of the thing and appreciating the thing you know yeah i mean i think we we're not always really related we don't really relate it's he talks about being consumption hungry and it's it's sort of like a compulsive um situation where he does talk about getting the latest gadget the latest model we all know about that when people stand in line for the latest iphones and all that um and it's 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 interesting because it feels like something that never gets satisfied yeah if you're in that mode of the constant uh consuming but of course our society we would need to be that way to continue the society continue the market you know yeah. drive the market i mean if we just said hey we don't want to consume anymore yeah. we're gonna have some serious problems you know well he says uh in here too he says consuming is essentially the satisfaction of artificially stimulated fantasies a fantasy performance uh, alienated from our concrete real selves so basically we're not we're not like consuming things that we actually really want from deep within us. We're just conditioned, you know, um, to want these things by media, by advertising, mm -hmm. by society. Um, and we're just so we're already so alienated from ourselves. This is just another like way we function on autopilot. Absolutely. Um, before, Lacey and I started tonight, I told her there's a part in here with From that I love. If I could draw a picture for you guys, he, oh, says, yeah. he says right here that um, to drink in, to have something new all the time, to live with a continuously open mouth as it yeah. were. Mm -hmm. So I love that image because I imagine us just having this open mouth, just consuming and consuming you know, obviously as a metaphor, not necessarily food, consuming everything. And it's also blended with the marketing orientation because mm -hmm. as we know, you know, the market is what drives all, all our behaviors. And that's something mm -hmm. that from definitely gets into. Yeah. Yeah. And the way you said it to me earlier, Sonia was kind of cool. You were like, if I was going to have a picture to represent kind of our, you know, how we are in Western culture, Mm -hmm. It would be this person with their mouth open and like all this stuff coming into yeah. it, which is, you know, he said that in past other things that he's written, like the eternally expectant ones, the, the eternal sucklings, you know, we're just oh yeah consuming, trying to consume, consume, consume. 
Yeah, and he also goes on to say that the alienated attitude towards consumption, it doesn't just exist in our acquisition and consumption of commodities, things, but it also goes beyond this to like leisure time. And I, I find that's, that's very interesting because he talks about if we're working without a relatedness to what we're doing, if we're buying and consuming in an, like an abstract, alienated way, how how do we switch over and make our leisure time yeah active and meaningful right you know? if we're conditioned to live that way and we do it most of the day mm -hmm. how is it that we can just all of a sudden not do that in our leisure time and he does say like that's how we continue to be in our leisure time which this is this makes me like this make this point is a point that makes me even more passionate about how jacked up it is the way we live. Like we guys, we don't even have our leisure time to ourselves. <laughs> We're conditioned on on autopilot mode, right? And even in our leisure time, we're not even being genuine, right? right I mean, right. it's just it's yeah. Sad. He talks about how we consume you know, uh, things like ball games or, or papers or Movies. you know lectures or social gatherings. And, and I never thought of it in that perspective, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like you said, you're, we're conditioned to want to see and hear what we want to see and hear because mm -hmm. entertainment's also an industry. And so again, you know, we're not thinking we're, we're as you said, if we're on this way of the way we are in work, we're going to, that's going to cross over to leisure time also. Right. And he's saying part of how we know this is the way we operate is because we aren't actively participating in the things that we're taking in. We just want to take it in everything that there is to take in and to have as much as possible of pleasure and culture and whatnot. And it kind of reminds me of what I've heard him say previously about like projecting our own powers onto people, onto other people. So we're watching the TV show, mm -hmm. watching the sports game, and we're like fascinated by this great soccer player, or I am, you know, whatever, <laughs> or soccer, soccer fans are. And we're like, and, and we forget like, oh yeah, I can also play soccer. Like in, we're, we're watching them as though we have no ability to do any of those things on our own. Right. Develop some type of skill similarly yeah and i think like it, there's an element of drama of course with with that with the sports and the different activities but i also think he discusses like how how do we choose the things that we choose it's the social forces yes it determines the society and the life of everybody living in it right i mean right. we're getting our cues from what other people are doing and how to do it right so, so that's yeah that has to be looked at too yeah, he says, he, actually, man is not free to enjoy his leisure. His leisure time consumption is determined by the industry, as are the commodities he buys. His taste is manipulated. He wants to see and hear what he's conditioned to want to see and hear. Mm -hmm. Entertainment is an industry like any other. The customer is made to buy fun, as he is made to buy dresses and clothes. I mean, when you think about this, it's like scary. The value of the fun is determined by its success on the market, not by anything which could be measured in human terms. It's not like, did you have a good experience? It's like, 
Well, a lot of people are doing it and buying it. So, but I like this part too. In any productive and spontaneous activity, something happens within myself mm -hmm. while I'm reading, looking at scenery, talking to friends, etc. I am not the same after the experience as I was before. In the alienated form of pleasure, nothing happens within me. I've consumed this or that, but nothing has changed within myself. I like that as a way to help us all understand what the difference is. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, I, I want to point out that the, um, the title of this is, you know, is Life Worth Living, yeah. which we're going to delve deeper into. But I think how it fits into what we're talking about right now is that if everything we do has is determined by social forces or by the market or by measuring mm. or are we supposed to have fun and what we're told is good what we're told is bad that then you have to question well what am i doing and and what is my life which takes you to the question is it worth living yeah which that's... which, which from would say isn't even an appropriate question to ask which we'll get into mm -hmm. but i like where you're going though sonia because it's like wait a minute, where is the real autonomy? If I'm just a machine that's mm -hmm. on autopilot, just doing what I have to do, going through the motions, what, what am I doing? Yeah. 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 And, I, you know, what's, what's fascinating, what we were just talking about in the very beginning about the pandemic yeah. um, here from writes about this, which is amazing, even though, I mean, it's so related. He says, our actual helplessness before the forces which govern us appear more drastically in those social catastrophes, which even though they are denounced as regrettable accidents each time, so far have never failed to happen, economic depressions and wars. These social phenomena appear as if they were natural catastrophes rather than what they really are, occurrences made by man. Mm. And I was thinking about that, just what you were saying about what we've done to the environment. Yeah. So we, we think it's natural, but they're really occurrences made by man. Damn. Yeah, that's so true. Mm, it's very sad. I mean, and I think that something that goes along with this theme as well, kind of like what I was saying about, you know, projecting your own power and ability onto someone else on TV or whatever, mm -hmm. um, is another theme he talks about is how, we're kind of alienated from our, our human powers. Um, and so I think this is interesting. He says, man experiences himself as a thing to be employed successfully on the market. He does not experience himself as an active agent, as the bearer of human powers. He is alienated from these powers. His aim is only to sell himself successfully on the market. His sense of self does not stem from his activity as a loving and thinking individual, but from his socioeconomic role. Yeah, I mean, that's extremely relatable. Um, I think at least people who are living now, we've all, or at least I have been um, exposed to the thinking that we have to be marketable. And yeah. marketable is really like a laundry list of things that you have to be have, whether it's in a relationship in a job, in pretty much any environment, like what are we bringing to the table? Kind of like a list of your qualities to the point that I could see where that would be very depressing. Mm -hmm. um, if someone doesn't meet the social 
standards that our, you know, our culture has determined are necessary. Yeah. I do think it's interesting and I've heard him say that we have human powers before and I haven't really thought too much about that, but um, I think that it's interesting and I think that's true. I think that might be an interesting topic for us to explore at some point because I think we're so alienated from ourselves. We don't even know what our human yeah, powers are. That's a good point. We should definitely dig into that. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I know we talked about is that from, I, I wouldn't say he's anti-capitalist, but he definitely points out the negative aspects of capitalist because we know that the idea is that the market's going to resolve everything and the common good will come out of it like that we can we're sort of hands off of that which we know is not the case we're actually experiencing that now that it's not a it's not a decision between you know capitalist he talks about our political regimentation it's it's really are that we are the producers of our economic and social arrangements but at the same time we decline responsibility intentionally and enthusiastically and await, hopefully or anxiously, as the case may be, what the future will bring. Mm. I, I think that's an interesting concept because I would all be guilty. I'm I'm today more involved and more aware, but I do recall thinking, well, it will all work itself out. Like we live in this world that I don't really need to be, I'm kind of just this, like like you're saying, maybe an automaton, just a, this thing, but I don't really have the power to do anything, but you know, right. we live in this quote unquote better world. So it will all work itself out mm. <laughs> and we're learning. I think that's not the case. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, uh, just because uh, technology is in increasing and, you know, blowing our minds, that doesn't mean um, that everything's great, you know, and just because the capitalistic, um, system is producing a GDP that's mm -hmm. you know, a lot or the market is fill in the blank. That doesn't mean it's working for everybody. It doesn't mean it it's great. So um, I love it that he, that he like kind of takes that sentiment sentiment on because um, it's a common one, I think. And I think you mentioned this Sonia. like he's not anti-capitalist. I don't think he is either. I think he sees the beauty in, um, you know, uh, socialism in in a healthy way done mm -hmm. done right, but he's not anti-capitalism. No, he points out the flaws, and he he does give you a lot of history, and and he he points out other authors um, that talk about capitalism. Yeah. What I also think that he that we were kind of uh, alluding to earlier is what's our relationship to one another, and I find this fascinating, especially in our day and age of the internet. He yeah. talks about how we're, there's this abstraction, you know, that you're either a salesman or you're, you're either using somebody, everybody's using somebody, right? <laughs> and there's a certain, like, everyone's a commodity. Mm. And I really relate to this. Um, he said there's rather a superficial friendliness and a more than superficial fairness, but behind that surface is distance and indifference. There's a, also a good deal of subtle distrust. And that to me is so common that we're taught, you know, like speak to this person because they'll help you in your career. Yeah. Or you may need the help of X, Y, and Z person or, 
it's the superficiality that we all probably have experienced on some level. Mm -hmm. Like be nice to this person, go to this networking event. You never know when, you know, you might need help from somebody or that connection might come in handy for you. Yeah. It's like, we see each other as, you know, commodities. Yeah. Commodities. Exactly. What I would say about that, just hearing you talk about it is, it's not to say, okay, every relationship, the way I look at it that we have is not going to be this deep, I'm going to bear my soul relationship. And obviously I believe in being, you know, kind and friendly, but if all our relationships are based on what can I get out of this relationship and what's in it for me, mm-hmm. then you go to this place that it's the, the market and, and it leaves you empty, not as a whole person. And, and where's the empathy? And where is the really the connection that we seek with our fellow human being if what we're doing is just skimming the surface? Right. And at the end of the day, we're um, human beings who we need that connection with other human beings. And so when we use other human beings who we actually really need to connect with for a surface level, non-connecting activity, we actually walk away feeling, you know, disappointed and not fulfilled. Yeah. And, and alone. Yes. (laughs) I I think that contributes today even to our alienation. Um, And I think going back to the pandemic people, and you talked about the workism, Mm -hmm. if people's relationships were only based on the work of people they worked with and now they they're not working or they don't see the people they don't have any, there's no relationships, right? Right, right. And then you realize, well, I spoke to these people just because I was in this environment that forced me to have conversations with them. And right. I didn't develop anything outside of that. Then there, therein you get your the alienation of modern man. Yeah. Before we go to the question of is life worth living as we close, I want to read this one last part on okay. the of alienation. And he says the alienated personality who is for sale must lose a good deal of the sense of dignity, which is so characteristic of man, even in most primitive cultures, he must lose almost all sense of self. This is like alarming. He must lose almost all sense of self of himself as a unique and unduplicable entity. The sense of self stems from the experience of myself as the subject of my experiences my thought, my feeling, my decision, my judgment, my action. It presupposes that my experience is my own and not an alienated one. Things have no self and men who have become things can have no self. That's great. Powerful. So very, very powerful. We're not connected to my feeling, my thought, my judgment, my action, because we're like doing shit that we just <laughs> we don't really want to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He says that clearly man's own sense, his sense of his own value always depends on factors extraneous to himself. Mm, mm, exactly what what you were saying. Right. Good shit, man. This is good. 
Well, the other, oh, the real quick point I was going to bring up that you and I talked about is the re routinization, like oh, yeah. that we're just doing things in as a routine. And, and yes. we, we kind of have to sometimes because we have things we need to do, go to work, etc. But he, right. Frome, is against the fact that that becomes all of our life, not just mm. a portion of it. Would you yeah. agree? Oh, 100%. Um, and we have this conflict with it because it's safe it feels comfortable and i think in some ways it's needed but not like you're saying 100 percent of the time and so yeah he does touch on that um in good detail on these pages yeah and, then, and he he gives the examples of this is why we're so attracted to like the car crashes and the you know maybe the intense competitive sports because we're seeking that sort of real life drama that we don't get in this routine routinization of our life, which is mm. interesting. And that's where he touches also on our need for both art and religion. Um, because I think that takes you out of that, this, you know, this routine way of living. And so mm. he does kind of, kind of hit on that a bit. Um, and he even says the primitive man, I mean, he even goes back to primitive man, uh, that the way, we can go back that he it says even the most primitive history of man shows us an attempt to get in touch with the essence of reality by artistic creation yeah so we can go way back and by ritual that we've talked about right um, yeah and that he's not satisfied with just the routine every day but like is actually reaching out to beautify and a right. be life and be creative and and make art basically. Yeah. Going beyond, beyond oneself. Right. Um, yeah. So, so some really good stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. Well, and then the question of the question is okay. life worth living. I mean, you know, this is so interesting because I'm just going to read his words and then whatever it is that, however you want to kind of jump in here, but mm -hmm. the whole process of living is experienced analogously to the profitable investment of capital, my life and my person being the capital, which is invested. For example, so much soap equals so much money makes sense in terms of the existing price structure. But this expectation has been become extended to extended to all other forms of activity. If a man goes to a concert or the theater, he asks himself more or less explicitly whether the show is quote unquote worth the money. While this question makes some marginal sense, fundamentally the question does not make any sense because two incommensurable things are brought together in the equation. The pleasure of listening to a concert cannot be possibly be expressed in terms of money. The concert is not a commodity, nor is the experience of listening to it. The same holds true when a man makes a pleasure trip, goes to a lecture, gives a party, the activity in itself is a productive act of living and incommensurable with the amount of money spent for it. Wow. Yeah. That was mind boggling to me reading that. What did you think when you read that? So there's another part in the book. I'm not going to quote it, but he talks about a man who realizes that his life has been only for material gain and yeah. he keeps peeling back every layer like an onion. And he gets to the point of like nothingness and he would rather go to hell, whatever hell is, than be in nothingness. 
Mm. So I found that concept really, I had to think about that for a while. And even yeah. that what you're talking about right now, I think we've all, all of us, I know I have measured myself by, hmm, was this worth it? Or how much did I gain? Or I'm using these standards that we've sort of been culturally conditioned to determine if something is worthwhile, including, right. including life, what Fromm says. And I think if you can step outside of that, then to me it's liberating because you're not, there isn't a measurement that we tend to do. And if you measure, there's, you're always going to come up short, right? Because mm. there is no, there is no achieving that, mm. that place. And I, I, I think it's interesting because it's kind of just enjoying, I'll just use a random example. Say you wanted to learn to play the guitar, but you never learn it to be, a, a, you know, on stage or to perform. But the fact that you're just doing it, no matter what it is you're doing, but you're just doing it for the sheer pleasure of it. Yeah. Is, is so powerful. But I think we've been conditioned to, to think that there needs to be sort of an out measurable outcome. Right. And I think because of that, we miss a lot in our lives. Yep. You know, I mean, well, you brought up the art thing in the bit, not to interrupt you, I see in the very beginning, yeah. and I always think about that because I thought about it last night. You said, I want to start drawing and or just something simple. But, you know, if you were to stop because it's not good enough or it's not this enough, then you, you, you aren't doing, you aren't doing, you're just measuring again. Mm. And maybe linking to what he says, you're not actively participating with yourself. You're just doing it for outside approval. And I would even venture to say that this is how we, we live in a way that we are being instead of having right to, to have or to be, we are being whenever we, are just doing the guitar just because we want to do the guitar. And I'm not, we're not trying to like learn eight chords today. We're just enjoying it and um, learning and taking from the moment and the experience, what it has to give to us. Um, yeah, that's, I, I think yeah. that's true. And we're, we're obviously, we're in an era where we're trying to, um, what's I was going to say, not stage it, but, you know, to, to his point, he talks about the Kodak camera, but we have the iPhones, everything yeah. we want to kind of show. So obviously we're not in the moment. We're behind it before it. It's, it's complicated, but I know we're going to discuss that on another episode about yeah. uh, our devices or, yes. <laughs> or our uh, other, you know, other points of, Social media, social media, et cetera. Yeah. We have some exciting stuff that we're brainstorming, but uh, there's another um, part here that I want to talk about. And as we wrap up, he says a new question has arisen in modern man's mind. The question, namely whether life is worth living, quote unquote, and correspondingly the feeling that one's life is a failure or is a success. He says this idea is based on the concept of life as an enterprise which should show a profit. That was so mind boggling to me. Like, wow, what a good point. Like, mm -hmm. where do we get the idea that, um, that our, our life has to be quote unquote successful. It's life. 
it needs to just be what it is. It doesn't have to be productive, you know? I, I actually love that, that you said that, because it actually even helped me. I was like, who cares? Who am I trying to measure my life against? And what am, and what am I trying to prove? And the fact if you say I'm not, then it doesn't matter. It does not matter that you have these achievements or not. And this is how I think from sees it is that we've created this world that everything, like I said, has to be uh, determined by this market, you know, by what, as you pointed out, whatever it is, if you're successful. And it's interesting you use that term because now when I hear people talk, they might say, well, I think they might talk about their children saying they say, oh, well, I think my daughter's going to be successful. And I want to say, well, define that. Are you talking about financial? Are you talking about her character? Are you talking about helping others in the world? Are you talking about kindness? Well, we know what typically people are talking about. They're talking about money because that's right. what drives our capital, right. um, capitalistic society rather. And it really takes me aback because I say, whoa, you know, that's not even the language we, sh we should be using. Right. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I mean, he goes on to say how, you know, there's not really a way to show whether life is worthwhile living. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like never worthwhile living. Maybe the challenges and the hardships that we face in the everyday would make one say like if they were going to do a balance sheet like a business did they were mm -hmm. like nope not worth it because you're going to go through all these challenges but he says but who's to say that one or two genuine happy wonderful moments or you know the joy of breathing or walking on a bright morning smelling fresh air or whatever doesn't make you know um offset and doesn't it make worth all the suffering that we you know, have experienced. So I think it's such an interesting concept because it's like, look, life is not something to quote unquote win at or, mm -hmm. or be successful at, or for the balance sheet to come out in the green instead of the red. It's something that is a unique gift and it's a challenge and it doesn't have to be measured in any terms. It just, there's not really an answer to that question. You know, that's, I, I remember this now. This is what I love about him saying exactly what you read. Um, yeah. And you know what? I like this part because Fromm did not have an easy life and he mm. suffered and he lost people that he loved deeply. That's true. And reading this was so powerful to me because what it's really saying is we all are going to have hardships and we are all going to go through things disappointments and suffering and it's just and i love the way he says you know who will tell whether one happy moment of love or the joy of breathing or walking on a bright morning and smelling the fresh air is not worth all the suffering and effort which life implies yes it was yeah to repeat what you're saying kind of but um i just i thought that was uh really thought-provoking <laughs> profound it's so so profound and you're right from did have a lot of challenge. He lost, he was, he had multiple wives, um, one of whom, at least one, he lost to sickness. Lost. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I think it's an easy, it's an easy thing for us to think based on what we're fed by culture and media that like things should be happy and great all the time. Reality check, that's not 
reality. You know, that's not how things happen. And so what an interesting concept. The I, the question, is life worth living, is just not even a real, it's a false question. It's right. it's a question that reflects how much we look at ourselves as things to be sold that need to be successful and to be measured and to be compared, which is where so much sadness comes from, actually. I agree with you. And even those that traditionally we think that we might put on a pedestal and say they've quote unquote succeeded, that each individual has their own struggles and we don't know what's in the heart and minds of each of us. So I think it's limiting to say that. And from, you know, turns that on its head. So I'm glad we were able to talk about it. Yes. Good stuff, man. It's always fun to talk to you, Sonia. Continually, as I'm thinking back on 2021 and reflecting and try to be grateful and think about kind of what my goals are for the next year and think about the things that I'm thankful for, you and the podcast and Victor and just our conversations have been so enriching and um, I'm just thankful for you. So thank you for being you and being a part of uh, what we're doing here and having fun with me on this podcast. Well, ditto. I couldn't do this without you and we definitely couldn't do it without Victor. That's true. So um, shout out to to him behind the scenes. And, and I want to thank all of our guests that we had on the show yeah. And all the great books that we read and to you, Lacey, for introducing me to From. I mean, this has been a journey. We have done some really cool stuff and had unbelievable conversations. So that has given me actually that, you know, silver lining, like you said earlier, that there are people out there that um, mm-hmm. are doing the work. Yes. And, you know, and that see and that have a different mindset like similar to what you and I have. And that's exciting. That is exciting. And and it's encouraging to know that there's people who are like, let's do things differently that line up better with our own humanity. You know, that's, sure. that's wonderful. Well, we wish you all a wonderful and happy new year. Um, we hope you have a great um, celebration. If you're celebrating at home or wherever, if you're not celebrating great, happy January, it's crazy. <laughs> and we're coming up in April on, our two-year anniversary. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Exciting. Yeah, everybody stay safe. Um, if you're not feeling well, stay in. But we hope that you have a wonderful 2022, and we're looking forward to doing more podcasts. We'll see you guys soon on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye, Bye guys.